everyone. This the devil here, Kenny Danico, three-time Stanley Cup champion of the New Jersey Devils. And you're listening to the Uncle Puckers New Jersey Devils podcast with Chris, Dan, Bobby, and Tony, the Uncle Puckers. Let's go, Devils! Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I was on mute. What's ah. up, everyone? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I should start talking now. Um, you know on? what we should do? We should do today a, a little a, a peewee. We should do a little peewee tribute uh, show. Yeah, I like that. So we should come up with a word of the day, word and then when the everyone day. says the word of the day, we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's the word of the day going to be? Uh, Devils. Okay. There's no. Okay. Um, um, contract? contract? Contract. The word of the day is contract. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I'm going to avoid that word. Soundbite? I do not have that loaded. <laughs> yes, I have it. I like that. Um, so, we are the Uncle Puckers. Uh, Dan, Bobby, and I'm Chris. Tony is sleeping tonight, um, getting his beauty rest, so he won't be here. So, um, how's everybody doing first? Let's start off with that. Well. Doing well. Uh, it's nice to have Bobby back. That's Welcome for sure. Welcome back, Bob. Yes. Tell us about your little trip out west. Fantastic. You know, it was a great convention. They had a really clever little acronym. You guys nailed it, you know, at the end of that last show where you, you kind of let it slip where I was at. But the cuckold? It was convention? great. Because, yeah. I couldn't quite figure out what the acronym was at first. Then I realized that the name of the place was the Future United Cuckold Kids. And I was like, oh, well, that, that's actually very appropriate. The Future United Cuckold Kids. What an acronym. It's, it's, I can't it's believe that they good. classify you as a kid. It's, yeah. Let's start, let's start with that. What's up, kid? What was really cool, though, <laughs> is that, you know, the theme this year was biological transparency. And I'm ah. glad to report that I am not the father of 17 kids. So we're good to go. All okay. right. That's... So that was the extent of your trip? Nothing else? That was it. There's a lot uh, to do in a cuckold convention. Well, well, a lot not to do. It's just <laughs> a, lot, a lot going on. A lot to just sit there and watch. A lot to watch. Right. Yes, yeah. a lot to That's watch. That's your thing. All right. All right. So uh, and, and we do have a little bit of devil news before we dive in. So yes. Kev, Kevin Ball has signed a uh, new contract. What? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Two-year contract for Kevin Ball. I miss Pee Wee. That's yeah, so sad, I man. I wonder if Pee Wee going to be able to take all his like Pee Wee Playhouse shit with him to uh, whatever place he's going to. Like in other words, Cherry have to, would we do it like the style, like a uh, you know where you th- you throw everything on a, on the funeral pyre and right so and that he Cherry and right the fucking uh, Terry the pterodactyl. Yes, and what was the name of the the, the head, the, uh, the, head. the the disembodied head oh. that uh, the genie head? Mekalekahai, Mekahaniho. Mekalekahai, Mekachanio. Let's call him Johnny. I don't know. Yeah. There was a funny robot chicken episode. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched it. I have seen the show, but I don't remember a Pee Wee one. There was a funny bit where, like, Pee-wee's house is up for sale because he's been gone for okay. years trying to find his bike. You know, right. so people move in and they, first of all, they get freaked out that, like, everything's fucking talking and moving and all this stuff. But they redo the whole house and, like, they take Cherry apart. Oh, and no. And they, like, use, use, they use, like, her fabric for something else. And, they, right. and then Pee-wee comes back and, you know, he's freaked out because his house is basically still alive. But they basically just destroyed it and <laughs> killed all of the living furniture and stuff it was pretty you had to see it at least he's got so, his bike he did get his bike back kevin ball signed two years mm-hmm. with the devils for 1.5 uh 
I guess that's 1.5 is the uh, AAV. Mm-hmm. So it's what a three, what is it? Two, yeah, two year deal with a 1.5 million cap hit. Uh, so I guess that means three million over two yeah, years. Yeah, I guess right? 3.1 million. I don't know much whatever. about contracts. It says here, um, two years at a. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 1.5 million AAV for a total contract value of 2.1 million. Uh, that's about it. 1.05. So, yeah. we we have uh, Kevin Ball locked up for the next two years. How you guys feel about that? Love it. it. It's right in line with what was it like a couple months a month ago, whatever. I think right out of your mouth, Chris. It was give the guy a million dollars and let's go, let's move it. And yeah. It's it's what he's worth. It's it's good, solid guy. He's learning a lot. We got him on the team for another couple of years, so we're done, right? Yeah. This, this uh, other than goaltender, yeah, uh, I still think that the, something is going to get think- done. I know. Jeremy Swayman just came back with a one-year deal from Boston. Um, I think it was like 3.475. So it's a one-year deal. He has the contract for the year. Now I say he's locked up for the year. Let's make a fucking trade for him. Boston's got Mm. nothing. Let's give him a centerman. They need a center. Let's go get Jeremy Swayman. That's a good rate, too. Right? Yeah. I mean, they have Olmark, I think, locked up for two or three more years, and now they have Swayman for one. They're in salary cap hell, and they have no centers. So let's pluck the guy from Well, him. I mean, they can't afford to take our goalie off our hands then, so that still poses a problem for us. Well, they can take Vanacek. How? Vanacek's at what, two two something? Well, I'm sorry. I thought he was more than double that. Now I need to look that up. We're going to have to look up his... Uh... Contract. Yeah, I haven't had that open since season ended, but well, I thought he was way higher. I could be totally. I wrong. thought that he. I thought that he was only like two and a two and a half or something, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's a. Oh, it is a lot more than that. It's like six, isn't it? it, it no. It, well, three year. It's uh, three year at uh, ten point. No, it's three point four a year. Oh, okay. Three years. So his his and I'm similar. Sorry, I thought. I thought that he had. Another that this was his last year, but the twenty four twenty five season is his last year. Yeah, last year was his first year with us. That's right. Yeah, but I thought it was only a two year deal. Oh, That's okay. What I was saying gotcha. I didn't. Gotcha. Really, I thought it was only two, but it was a three year deal. So he's getting three point four per year. It's a ten point two three year deal. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it, it's a little bit less, slightly less than Swayman. Um, so I guess that probably wouldn't make sense for them if they're looking to save salary cap, but. I think you might be able to pluck one of those dudes from them. I want, and if not, Swayman's a free agent next year. So if we run with the two guys we have, if things fall apart in the playoffs, and our goaltending is part of it, well, then you got a guy like Swayman sitting there that said, maybe you can grab as a uh, unrestricted free agent. You said Boston needs a center. What center are you planning to give him? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know who we have down below in Utica that might be a decent prospect to be willing to get rid of. Right, you're not um, talking about one of the nobody guys else. who was starting last year. No, no, okay. I wouldn't. Not no, not for not for Jeremy Swayman, not for anybody. I really, right. I, I the the guys that we have on the uh, playing on the roster right now, I wouldn't move any of them, not for anyone. Yep. Um, at this moment, now come December, January, maybe things change. Sure, I don't know. You know, uh, all things are pointing to this team really having a fantastic season this year. Uh, I am a little bit worried about our goaltending come playoff time or later on in the season. But if, you know, like we've said a million times in, in 
Fitzgerald, we trust. If, if this is what we're going with, until he makes something that we just scratch our heads saying this was a stupid move and I don't understand it, then, you know, I'm going to trust the guy. Yep. Yeah, so. I, I've loved all his moves. So, you know, I, it's I'll be fine if we stay pat if that's what he wants to do. Yeah. And yeah. I will be fine if he wants to make a move for Swayman. I know he's not going to hurt the team doing it. And I know that he is very careful and he's going to look at something that is going to have an upside for us. And it's not just shuffling guys around. He doesn't do that. So yeah. you're right. I, I mean, I put a lot of faith in Fitzgerald. He's he's done so good by this team. And I like Swayman. He's only 24. I just think that he fits in with this team as far as where they are right now, where they're going. I think he's the kind of dude that can really fit in and establish himself as a true number one with New Jersey for a long time and hopefully win some cups. Where, I mean, I like the idea of Halibuck. I like him, that idea for three years, maybe four years. I like the idea of Swayman for the rest of his career at this point, you know, if, if he can still keep doing what he's doing. And I like Akira Schmidt. I, I think Schmidt has a, a huge upside. I just, I'm just really confused by, you know, all the talk now of them saying that he needs another year down in Utica. I don't. I just don't know where we're going with that. If he needs another year in Utica, okay, that's how you feel. But who are you getting to play with Vanacek? I don't know. I don't understand what they see in his game that makes them them think that. I mean, he's never really shrunk from a game. He played in some big games for the Devils. So it's not like a big game problem. Uh, workload, well, you don't know until you test him. I mean, he's, has he really been tested workload-wise? Uh, I don't even know if that's their plan to give him a heavy workload anyway, even if he was going to just stay with the Devils. So I really don't understand what that's based on. Um, I get that you don't want to like put a goalie in too young, break his confidence, and it kind of ruins him that way. I understand right. that. But, I mean, hasn't he kind of been baptized in fire already, so to speak? He's like come in and so. played strong through the end of the season, bailed him out of a playoff round. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of action for a young guy I don't understand but you know we'll have to see what that's about I mean that's just talk now anyway you know he definitely proved it to me by the in the Ranger series was just coming in game three and playing the way he did for those five games but when he the the game that he really it struck me like we might have something here it was against Ottawa VTech right. had gotten laid out. Somebody came through the crease, took him yep. out, back of the head, and he got knocked out. It was third period. I think we had a one-goal lead or might have even been a tie game, and we won it in overtime or we won it late in regulation. Yes. But he came in off the bench, ice cold third period, played about, I don't know, 14, 15 minutes. And it's the game played, I think and, about. And he played in overtime. Cause yeah, it was, it was a huge overtime. Too. And he played, yes. it was like four minutes overtime, he, and he got pounded in that overtime. Yep. And, and, he, he's, and he stood on his head, and, uh, and we, won, we came up with the winning goal. I, think, I know we won the game, whether or we not did. we won it in a shootout or, or during I think the, it was the three on three. Yeah, but I mean. um, he played outstanding, and I watched that game thinking, "This, there's something here." Uh, and Especially then the I way think, he does it, does such poise. You know, he's very yeah. calm, very very cool. You know. And then about a week later, we sent him down to Utica again because Blackwood was, you know, healthy. Yeah. We had to get some losses in there to even things out. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, we can't can't just go. You know, we can't compete with Boston. Not everyone you know? can be Boston. You know, win every game. Yeah, I'll it doesn't make there. much sense. I started reading some of that too. I think Dan just nailed it perfectly too. Like, what's the logic behind it? Because if it was, if they don't think he can handle too much of a workload, then 
you have the opportunity to do quite, you know, a 60-40 split, like a lot of teams are doing, right? Splitting the goalies, basically. And if it's not that, if you think he's not going to get enough work, then you're suggesting that, you know, Vanatek's playing 60-something games, which we know is not the case. So, right. And he's proven it. So, yeah, I, I would I would roll with him. I don't know where that came from, but. Yeah, it is odd. Um, so to the, the listeners, we have, uh, so once a week throughout the month of August, we're going to do, each of us are going to put together a list. Um, Bobby is going to start us today with, uh, what's your list exactly, Bob? So it's going to be five of the most underrated or underappreciated New Jersey Devils. Now this is of all time. Of all time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Underappreciated. I couldn't pick five on this team. That sure, be, that's yeah. what I, I assume that. But um, and then Dan is going to do uh, top five New Jersey Devils goaltenders that are not named Marty Brodor at some point. Mm-hmm. Tony's going to do top five toughest uh, best fighters ever that the Devils had, and I at some point will throughout the month will go five best head coaches. Of the New right. Jersey Devils. So we're going to put all those together, but it starts today with Bobby's list of the most underappreciated Devils of all time. So, Bob, if you like, we can dive right into that. Let's do it. Yeah, because i got to tell you, harder than I thought. Um, I bet. Because I didn't know, first of all, how I really, am I tackling this from the layman who doesn't give, you know, know much about Jersey or from kind of the fan base? And I think there's a little bit of a blend to that. There's probably just... There's really probably one guy in here that's maybe more directed at Devils fans than um, the rest are just kind of more or less how maybe that person's seen. But we'll just dive in and, and see what you guys think. Okay. So you're starting from number five, working starting your way to one? number five. Okay. okay. And I thought it appropriate to go back to when, uh, you know, the glory days when it all started and going back to 1995. And my number five on the list is one Neil Broughton. Okay. Now, Neil comes in. Traded from Dallas, right? I think yeah. he plays 30 games with the Devils, scores eight goals. A uh, few of them are game winners. Um, but more importantly than that, you know, come playoff time, this guy, everybody knows what the team did. Everyone knows Claude Lemieux, when the Conn Smythe, what Prodor did coming out, what our defense did, all that, even like crash line and all. What they don't realize is that second on the team in playoff scoring was Neil Broughton. Second behind only someone I brought up before, Stefan Riche. So, Rishay, you get kind of an honorable mention here with 21 points. Neil Broughton had 19 points in the playoffs that year. Seven goals, 12 assists, and four game-winning goals. Which wow. is one more than the Conn Smythe winner, Claude Mew. Wow. I just think he did a lot for that team. It goes very unnoticed. Now, most hockey fans of our age know Broughton. They know the name. They might even know what he did in college. Um, and they, they know he was a solid hockey player. But I think he gets lost. In that 95 team. Oh, man, I think you're right because... Team with 19 points. Yeah, I, I was just going to tell you, like, hey, he's not underappreciated by me, but I did not realize how great his stats were, especially through the whole playoffs. Like, that is incredible. So and, even even I underappreciated him. I didn't consider myself underappreciating right. him. So And Neil Broughton, he was on the 1980 Olympic team, right? The yes. Miracle on Ice team? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I like Neil Broughton. I remember when we traded for him from Dallas, and uh, yeah, that was that's a big one because he was only here for what two years, a year and a half. The, the year I and a half he, of '95 and a little bit '96. Yeah, and then all '96, yeah. we didn't make the playoffs '96, and then he was gone after that. That's right. But yeah, Neil Broughton, that's a good one. We had his brother one. play with us too. 
Aaron Broughton. So again, it's kind of hard for me. Yeah, well, think... he, he's not underappreciated, that's for sure. <laughs> Aaron Broughton. Any, he's any appropriately true Devils appreciated. fan yes. probably doesn't underappreciate any of the guys I'm going to bring up. So it is a little bit more of kind of just a general sentiment amongst sure. hockey and fans. Some of, the, some of the younger fans, though, they might not be familiar with these guys, which oh, yeah. is kind of cool, you know? Mm-hmm. They, yeah, who the hell is Neil Bryan? Let's check out some of his yeah. stuff on YouTube. And he was a fantastic hockey and, player. And unfortunately, since we are doing kind of underappreciated, it kind of takes time to create that, so I'm really probably not going to dive into anybody too new. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. It's kind of hard, right? I can't tell yeah. who's going to be underappreciated 10 years from now. I think Miles Wood kind of came up, for example, but I was like, well, wasn't really underappreciated when he was doing his job. People loved what he did. Right. Um, yeah, I, I would think Miles Wood, I would put kind of in a, a fan favorite category for yeah, a lot of totally, fans. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just he was a guy I just never, never got behind. I never really dug his game. But I think he's going to have a very good year with Colorado. I do. And I think we think there's a very good chance that we are facing them in June for the Stanley Cup because uh, uh, that would be fun, right? Going Definitely. up against Miles Wood, sure. knocking mm-hmm. his little dick in the dirt and winning the <laughs> cup. All right. Who's your number four, B? So number four, this guy was part of the, uh, the kind of youth movement that helped push the needle a little bit in 2000. Same with the theme going with the championship team. Uh, he comes in, he only plays 23 games in the regular season, but he was inserted into the playoffs where he played all 23. He stood big and tall for us, and that is Colin White. Okay, yeah. Okay. So yeah. in the 23 games with us in the beginning, he just scores one goal and five assists. He's a plus nine, like 18 penalty minutes. And then he plays all 23 in the playoffs. And after that, you know, he just kind of, Started to become our big, you know, stay-at-home guy. He's, he was a 6'4", 2'15". We still had Stevens at the time. All right, Danico retires at the end of 2000. 2000, right? He yeah. does and kind then, of take the mantle Stevens from Danico. Kind of, well, yeah. No, Danico retired in 2003. Whitey yeah. was already on the team. Right. And then Stevens, what, the year after? So yeah. White was, you know, kind of sitting here quietly becoming that big, strong guy that would stand up for the team. Um, he wound up having a hell of a career, right? 797 games. He was a plus 74 over wow. that time. Um, 869 penalty minutes, and all the all but 54 of those games were with us. I think he finished his career with the Sharks, 54 games. So, now, um, Do you guys see similarities in Colin White and Kevin Ball? I do. Yes. Yeah. They are very. Yeah, they do have a lot of similarities. They got uh, the size and the reach that goes with it. Um, I, I saw such great hockey sense develop in Ball last year, particularly in the playoffs uh, and right before um, that. I could see him being that kind of caliber player, you know. And, and White was great. He really was. You're right. I mean, people don't necessarily remember it as well as they should because we've had so many great defensemen. But Colin White was fantastic. Not only that, so. We, we, he comes in, he wins the cup with us in 2000. We were very successful in 2001. We win again in 2003. And again, he still got the shadow of some of those other defensemen. But then you kind of get into the lean years. He was our guy. He was our yeah, horse. He was rock solid. You know, yeah. and, and that's going to go unnoticed because we started getting bad. Right. Um, but he was a solid player. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and let me tell you, uh, I met him this summer and mm-hmm. I talked to him for a little while and what a freaking super, super nice guy. I mean, just an awesome dude willing to, you know, I mean, he's not a big, he doesn't like, you know, a lot of fanfare and shit. Most people didn't know, who, nobody knew who he was except me, um, you know, and we were talking and he was just such a good guy, super nice. I like, I like Colin White a lot and 
today I got a little bit of a hockey fix because the NHL Network actually was playing 2003 Game Seven Anaheim Jersey. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I was watching. Uh, I watched like the second period and some of the third. Uh, but yeah, that I mean, just to get that little fix of hockey, and mm-hmm. you know, even though you know who's gonna win, you know how oh, it's yeah. gonna play out. It was just so I much can, fun. I to can watch. watch them hand Marty Brodeur that Smythe over and over again. Yep. Oh, wait. That's one that question. Show, right? I have always, always thought this, that if, if I ever had a, a conversation with Brodor, did an interview with Brodor, the one question that I would ask him, and, and just go over what he did in those playoffs. I think he had seven or eight shutouts the entire playoffs. Shutouts, I think three in the finals alone. The, three in the finals alone. We win four <laughs> games in the finals. The seven games. We go out. seven games. He shuts them out, three of them. And game seven, the, the clincher, he shuts them out. Uh, and he's shutting uh, out the other goalie who won the Conn Smythe. Just right, right. And and then they hand the fucking Conn Smythe trophy to some flash in the pan Jean Sebastian Jaguar on home the ice. biggest equipment, pads and chest protector. They, I mean that he was the guy. You know how Marty had the rule for the trapezoid, yes, because he was so good at playing the puck, which is a great skill. Yes. Right. Well, Jaguar is the reason they started cracking down on equipment because he size. nobody I mean everybody was started climbing up but nobody went as ridiculous as him and he, th- that equipment saved a lot of pucks on its own and that's the question I would ask how much question. does that burn your ass you've done everything four Vesnas or something right four Vesnas three Stanley Cups uh, five cup appearances final appearances everything that you could possibly yeah anything you could possibly ask for gold medals Olympic gold medals the man accomplished Scored everything goals. Does not have a con Smythe, and does that burn his ass? Because there's no, it, I still don't know anybody that can explain to me, in a way that makes sense, why it was handed to Jaguar and not and not. Uh, no, Brodor it's that, that argument that he was more important to that team because the team surrounding him was worse than Brodor was to the Devils because the Devils around Brodor were better. It's a crock of shit. The guy had like yeah. the best playoff run at that point in decades, maybe ever. Yeah. Certainly, the shutouts alone were the record. Yeah, and you know, if the finals, save percentage yeah. was like abysmal, if Brodeur had a bad uh, save percentage and Jaguars was phenomenal, if they weren't separated by a couple decimal points at most, then we could maybe talk about, hey, wait a second, you can't just say the winning goalie is the best goalie. No, I mean his save per- Marty's save percentage was always fantastic, regardless of the defense in front of him. He still had a very good save percentage, and yes, defense is a factor in save percentage. But let's face it, if there's a single stat that reflects on the goalie's play, it would be save percentage, even more than goals against average. And Bernard was always fantastic. So, I, I mean, I don't, this makes no sense whatsoever. I just feel like, too, if people were looking at this, because I, I heard something about it, don't quote me, that the decision is made before at least game seven, definitely, but somewhere in the playoffs that the decision's made, which is weird because you're still in the finals. But. If, if everyone's darling was Jaguar and they were kind of following him and what then game? Brodeur comes in and kicks his ass, doesn't that sway you over to, to yeah, the Brodeur argument? Yeah, I would think argument? so. I it's would like, think okay, so. here's the best goalie in the league in the playoffs. Let me play him. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I, sometimes I, it's the devil's chip on my shoulder thing to be sure, but I really believe it's accurate. You have Marty Brodeur playing on a different team, showing up in the playoffs for the third time in a row, playing of that caliber. He's winning the Consmythe. It's a little bit of a slap at New Jersey. They couldn't stop him from winning the cup, but they can, you know, award that trophy to the wrong guy if they want. It's kind of sad. One of the but... one major things that leaves an awful sour taste right now because 
Yeah, just seems so deserved. Yeah, it just shows you that that those trophies are not always awarded correctly. That's all. No, it's definitely not. And if you want to actually compare head to head, um, let me just get the numbers for Brodor real quick. So in 2002-2003, Jean-Sebastien Jaguer had, let's see, a 2.3 goals against, uh, .920 save percentage. That was the regular regular season. In the playoffs, he went 15-6 and six with a 1.62 goals against and .945. Um, Definitely Dorf, great numbers. Absolutely. They're fantastic numbers. So Brodeur, fucking, he played 73 games that year. <laughs> he won 41 games. His uh, save percentage was .914, so it was a little bit lower. And I mean, it's like in the same no, neighborhood. No, actually, yeah, well, Jaguar had a .920, and he was a .914. Uh, that was a regular, regular season. A and then uh, goals against... Jaguar was 2.3 regular season, and Brodeur was 2.02. That was regular season. Playoffs, he played 24 games, 16 wins, 8 losses. His save percentage, so I said that uh, uh, Jaguar's was .945, and Brodeur's was .934. His goals against was 1.65. Jaguar's was 1.62. And Brodeur had seven shutouts in those playoffs. The numbers are almost identical, except Brodeur won the fucking Stanley Cup and yep. had seven shutouts. Three and he doesn't get the consequence. Yeah. It's it is a goddamn trap. Again, if those numbers were vastly different, especially save percentage, if Brodeur's was like floating somewhere in the 80s and right. you got this guy with a 9-4... I understand at that point, like, wow, we've got two different caliber goaltending, and it, it didn't make a difference in the win winning of the cup. That's not what happened at all. Brodeur clearly outplayed him, especially when you count winning when it mattered. Yeah, and it's like they to, literally just went check box, check box, check. He wins three to two, <laughs> like just on like the smallest I, I, I number. It, I blame it all on fucking Will Smith. I really, really do. That fucking Getting that Jiggy With It song. That damn song. And that song. was famous that summer. And they played it all the time. And everybody would fucking dance to it at the Duck Games and everything. That Marty and that, didn't, didn't have a song. Marty didn't needed have a, a song. song. Oh, Marty shit. needed a song. That's where he fucked up. But I, I, I mean, it really, if we were doing this underappreciated list at the end of 2003, you probably could have put Brodor on it as number Which one. is crazy. You know, but yeah. how do you put a legend on that list? Well, well, this is this. He was underappreciated throughout his career by many. Absolutely, I think he got all the appreciation after they stopped winning cups, and then mm-hmm. it was like, holy shit, he really is the best goalie when he didn't have Stevens and Niedermeyer and all those court. And then he still just did what he did, winning Vesnas, yep. taking the team to Stanley Cup Finals. I, I mean, it's just that is the one thing that still burns my ass about his career that he did not get that con Smythe. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob, number three. Number three. This one is very interesting to me because this guy is our next goalie, and that's Corey Snyder. Oh. So he comes over in a draft day trade, right? That was that, 2013-14. In this cockamamie scheme where they're going to split time between him and Brodor, which that's on Lou Lamarillo. Like something didn't. 
quite annually. Now, was that just because Marty was getting up there in Marty age? Marty was getting and, up there. Okay, so he was a free like... agent at the end of the year. So this is how they pulled it in. But when they wound up splitting, here's where it's interesting. Snyder got 43 starts to Brodeur's 39. He had a 1.97 goals against a 9.21 save percentage to Brodeur's 2.5 and 900 save percentage. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did outplay Brodeur that year. He went on the next three years as such. His goals against and save percentage was 2.26 with 9.25, 2.15 with 9.29, and then it peaked up a little bit at 2.82 and 9.08 save percentage but all of those three during those first three years and the and the, and the first first major year right. were up there with the best goalies for those few years that's true he did his job but not only did he do his job he had to come in he wasn't just replacing brodor right the next goalie he's sitting down the bench from him and he right. still had to go in there and the fans didn't know which way to go he did a hell of a job he did start to get hurt towards the end there and obviously the team wasn't very good as well he actually lost his starting job going into that 2018 playoff series and they finally made on the back of taylor hall but when he did get in there he posted a 178 with a 950 save percentage he did everything he could to actually get them through that round despite the fact that he had about three down years heading into that but i think overall given what he's done given what he had to come into and those numbers, his first three, four years, were one of the top in the league. Yeah, I remember that yeah. year he came back from an injury, right? Yeah, I yeah. forget exactly what he had. It's something surgically repaired, and we were all hoping he could regain his form, and he did for that playoff round. You're right. He did. Well, I mean, he. I think, what is it, Kincaid was in that? that or yeah, Wedgwood? Kincaid. Uh, who was it? Kincaid. It was Kincaid, Kincaid. Yeah. yeah, and he Kincaid had a great, uh, you know, post-All-Star uh, break run. He really helped the yeah. team make the playoffs that he year. He almost made the list because of that alone. Yeah. Now, Corey Schneider is interesting because he was very good in Vancouver, um, one of the best in the league, and he, like you said, comes over first three or four years. And, and, yes, he had some injuries. But Corey Schneider, to me, is the perfect example of how mental playing that position is because he – had yes some lingering injuries but he just lost it mentally like every time he got into the net when he was healthy after the injuries he just could not put it together he was a fucking basket case towards the end and now he's i think riding the pine in 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 uh the island i don't even know if he has a home right now um but yeah he for a handful of years he was very very good that's a that's a good one what you got for number two number two Big old fan favorite and two-time cup winner, Jay Pandolfo. Mm. Good, good, uh, a good point on that. A, a number two. I think Jay Pandolfo was extremely underrated, but go ahead. I mean, this this was our shutdown guy and, you know, a true team player. And not just like a shutdown guy in a regular season. This guy played against some of the best in the world because this is when we were winning constantly. He's playing in finals. He's playing against some of the top line and some of the best players I've ever seen. Comes over from college. He was a hell of a scorer, right? We've talked about this. It's like one of those Boston college guys, right? Yeah, he was yeah. BC. Did it, did it not translate because he just couldn't score in the NHL? Did he change his game, you know, to be the good soldier? It's probably a little bit of both. He did have some hands now and then. His, you know, his um, 
stats are obviously not what's going to jump off the page to you. It's just, again, it's just one of those guys that you want in your team. The, the shutdown role he played was just incredible. No mistakes to a detail-oriented kind of player. And for anybody that's familiar with these devil teams, you know exactly what we're talking about with Jay Pandolfo. The team was was decisively different when he was not in that lineup. Him mm-hmm. and Madden, the two of them together, just, yeah, they were the best shutdown line. Nobody wanted to go against, uh, you know, Mario got on the ice or, you know, Messier got on the ice. You knew it was Pandolfo and Madden out there. And they would usually just shut them down. Yeah. And uh, all the stars had not, quiet nights against them. Yeah. Was not the best skater, no doubt. Um, you know, not the best skater, but a lot of heart and, and just a hard working dude. And that's basically it. Like, and I think a lot of it was that, you know, coming in to the NHL, if you are not this pure goal scorer or, you know, a defenseman, a stay at home defenseman or a goalie, you got to find a niche. What is it that I can do and then do it, try and do it better than anyone else? Well, playing defense. As a forward, as a third line or fourth line uh, forward, Jay Pandolfo, there was nobody better. I, I agree. And I, we used to bust his balls all the time when he played, when we used to watch the games, because, you know, he didn't have hands. He wasn't scoring goals. But, you know, you watched after he done, yeah, maybe doesn't turn up in the, the, the stat line afterwards, but you knew he had a lot to do with most of those victories. I think I know who your number one is. I was going to say, given what I've done so far, I think both of you know who my number one is. You may say it. I'll still read my blurb. Is he a little Russian guy that wore wore number 18? Sure is. Ah, yes. Talking about Sarge. We're talking about Sergey Sergey Breland. So this guy obviously is the fifth member of the Devils to win all three cups and one that (laughs) nobody ever remembers. He's the forgotten Kardashian. He's the forgotten one. He <laughs> is, again, this is another ultimate player type guy. He played all the forward positions, played the penalty kill, had a little bit of power play time. You know, not, again, not another statistic guy, but he was able to put up points when he had to or when he had the opportunity. So I look at like 2000, 2001, when the whole team was just scoring like mad, he joined the party. He had 52 points and 23 goals. So it was kind of like, oh, y'all want to score now? Yeah, I'll do that too. But otherwise, he was just asked to do whatever role, you know, or he was asked to do all those different roles, and he would do it without a problem. He would move from line to line, player to player, and never miss a beat. Um, yeah, I mean, Sergey Breland, he's just the ultimate guy. Who wouldn't want him on your team is kind of the way I look at and, that. And big part of those Stanley Cups. And I kind of feel like you got to put his number up. There, I know. Don't you? I, it, you're right because he's he's the fifth guy among the the rest of them. All have the the three cups. Yeah, and, and there's nobody else with those three cups. And you know he was probably in some ways he was more of a prototypical devil than any of those guys yeah. because back then and, when the devils were winning those three cups, it was a lot like that style where we just talked about with Pandolfo, Madden, Breland. Hardworking guys filling a role, knowing their job, uh, and you know, sacrifice for the team, and you know, just being, just night after night, hardworking, and you know, putting that team first. And who did that more than him? I mean, we've got some great guys up there with maybe more skill, like Patrick Elias and you know, uh, uh, Scott Stevens. But really, I mean, uh, who's more of a devil than uh, Breland? I would say he's every bit the devil Danico is. So much of a devil that he's still on the bench, and yeah, maybe he'll right. win. Maybe he'll he'll win cup number four with this team, and it's then him too, and Marty will have the most cups by a devil. 
Yes. Marty would get four, right? Yeah, it's that's right. It's such an excellent point about the rafters because one thing we just touched on the beginning of the show, when you have retrospect, right? Like time has gone by now. To me, that makes it actually easier to look back and include a guy like Breland. Nothing about the rafters says this person had to be X in whatever statistical yeah. category. Right. Kid Denko wasn't the best defenseman devils. we ever had, right. you know? Yeah. This, is, this is like tradition of the franchise. And he's the only guy of five without his banner. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that we should play we with should, for a very long time. Yeah, I think we should start a little social media campaign. Get, yeah. Get Breland's 18 hanging from the rafters. He needs to be you up know, there. We put out the same card as Ilias to the Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah, who do that we have? That's, I don't know the, who. Do we have an 18 on this team? I'm trying to think. I don't who think we do. 18? I don't think we do. i got to so look at why, the roster, why, but no, none jumped to mind. Wait. What number is uh, Plot? Oh, yeah. He's 18. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. 18. That's right. All right. So, you know, in a couple of years when he's gone, we'll raise the Breland up to the rafters. I think, I think Plot would change it if, if they approach him. He wouldn't change it when he came up from Tampa. I mean, Mercer changed his 18 that's to right. 91. Mercer is 18. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a young kid thing, though. No, you know? I know. Mercer did the right thing. Yeah. I, I agree. And it's only a fucking number. These guys that get their panties in a bunch because of a freaking number on the back of their jersey, I, I don't know about that. Like, who gives a shit? I'll be more happy yeah. with the number on my check. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, exactly. Whatever the hell you want on my jersey. You know, I forget the reason Hughes chose 86. You guys remember? Was he born in '86? No, he's I don't think so. Old. No way. No, he's not that they, old. They both um, do something with the the eight and the six, or the six and eight, but I don't remember what it was. Now there was a because Luke. Hughes oh wait, wait, wait. Okay, so so he's '86. Yeah, I think um, Luke. Uh, no, the other one, uh, Quinn Hughes Quinn. Quinn. is is '68. Right. Yes. And then I think that isn't Luke. 43, like half of, half, yes, yes, half of views. Yes, that's what it was. But I don't know why he's 86. Yeah, I hmm. So, I, I, they, yeah, they all kind of go together with that. But I don't know why he's 86. So he, yeah, he had to... Okay, all right. Now, who's the highest number we got? 91, right? That's, Ever? That's, no, well, not, I think, 91, we got Gil- Mercer now. Gilmore yeah, Gilmore was 91 too, right? 91. Three. No, uh, seven. Oh, he was. He was 97. okay. He it was ninety-seven. Okay, uh, I better double check that. But I, for some reason, ninety-seven is jumping to mind. You know, in, in football now, you're allowed to wear number zero if you wanted to. See, is that a number uh, though? I'm sure, it's a lack a of a number. Well, it's a number. It's a number with no value, but still a number. Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, we do have something else Minus that we one. can. We can do. They should start doing negative numbers. They might have to, like three thousand years. Ninety three, he was ninety three. Okay, so he was the 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 highest number we ever had. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think like the low numbers we've had everything from one through ten, right? Yeah, we've had people play everything one what, through Hedberg ten. Or a couple oh games. yeah, one, definitely. Three. Yeah, I know one two was. Uh, Paul Martin wore number two. He did. Um, we had a lot of number twos over the years. Yeah, Danico was three. Stevens was four. White was five. Andy Green was six. Who was a good number seven we had? Oh, we've had a few of them. Um, wait, Paul Martin might have been seven. Martin, actually. You're right. Paul yeah. Martin was seven. So going back to two, two, I know we've had twos. I just yeah, no, struggling right now. Fatisov? Maybe. I don't remember his number. Nine was Parisi, right? He wore nine. nine. Eight was Dinosaurus. Yeah. Broughton, that's right. Yeah. Wasn't Dinah Zubris 9 to 82? 
Uh, Eight as well, I mean. That another, I don't uh, remember. Another almost honorable mention for the list, Zubris. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and it was hard. I was watching when I was watching the game earlier. Um, what was uh, so they had Turner Stevenson on the line with Breland, and who the hell was the third guy on that line? I can't remember, but I liked it. The best line I saw out there though, and I completely forgot about it, was the Langenbrunner um, freezing. Oh yeah. Oh shit! Who was the third guy on that line? Arnott? No, he didn't play with them then. No, it wasn't. Arnott wasn't on that. No, team. he's. Oh, the 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 Breland, uh, Turner Stevenson, and Mike Rupp. That was the the one line, and they scored the, the first line. goal, the game winning mm-hmm. goal. That was Rupp, but I can't remember who was Probably playing with the Friesen and Langenberger. But that was a really good line. But uh, oh, Brian Gianta. There you go. Yes, yes, that was it. Number fourteen. So we have this. I have uh, some true false slash over unders that we're going to do. So we're going to just ask. I'm going to ask you guys questions. We have about thirty of these. We're only going to go through like half of those tonight. We'll get Tony to give us his answers another time. And then at the end of the season, we're all going to kind of come back. We'll relook at everything and see who was, you know, the closest uh, to, to, to getting these. So the questions I'm going to ask are either, either going to be answered as over, under, or true, false. Um, the first one is an over, under. Uh, the New Jersey Devils had 112 points last season. Over or under... This year, 112 points. Dan. Now, just to be clear, we can't say this, like, um, equal, right? It's just over or under. Well, you could push if you want, but you have to come up with exactly 112 points. Right, right, right. I'm going to go, oh boy, this is is interesting. We've discussed this before a little bit, and I could see a world in which they score more points, but don't even end up with second or even win the division because this this everybody's going to come come along on the other hand see points are going might be harder to come by i'm going to go over i'm going to be over. optimistic here and go over bob this is a tough one for me because this is kind of like my tiebreaker because i'm on record on this show several weeks ago saying i believe they can be a better team and likely have less points but yeah. I also was the guy who said I could see us go in a battle with Carolina and having some sick 118-120 situation. Now I have to decide which guy I want to be. Right. And uh, I guess it's no fun being negative, so I'm going to go over as well. Yeah, that's in the end. I was like, it's kind of a coin flip, but I'm going to go optimistic. Yeah. I don't know. Why not? I'm, I'm not trying to be I won't pessimistic. Get fired. I'm not trying to be. No, I get it. You hate the Devils. I, I understand. I'm gonna uh, fuck that team. Some host <laughs> is. I I'm going to take the under, and the only reason I'm going to take the under is, and look, I think they're going to be the better team than they were last year, but I'm not sure about reaching that. First of all, that 112 points is crazy. This team's been around for what 50 years. They've never, you know, that was the first time they ever got that many points. Um, but you are going to see a huge push by Buffalo and Ottawa this year, and I do think they take some points away. So I'm going to go under. It might only be, might be one point. We might end up with 111, but I, I'll go under. So. In, all, in all honesty, I think logically you have the safer, better argument there. It, it's more fun to win on our side, sure. where we're coming from. Um, because, yeah, this, I mean, this team can and certainly will be better. But so many things have to go right to get that amount of points. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, take the over and go for it. You could still be optimistic on the second question. This is over under as well. And okay. in the same vein, Jack Hughes had 99 points last mm. season. Over under 99 points for this coming season for Mr. Jack Hughes. See, I think it's maybe even 
it requires less optimism to say over on that front. Um, you know, I'm going to have to assume he stays healthy. And if he stays healthy, I see him producing at the level he was or better. Uh, you know, I just, that's, I, I'm going to go take the over there. Bobby? So the only thing that gives me pause on this is I believe we're so deep and we can spread the wealth so much that he doesn't, A, need to score in as many situations, but he's also not the type of guy who's going to take his foot off the gas necessarily. And just given his trajectory, I'll go over. I'm going to stay in that uh, same vein with you guys. I think just, yes, Jack Hughes will be a 100-point goal scorer this year, 100-point guy this year. Uh, and I just, and you know what, I'm going to even say it's not on this list, but I don't think he's going to be the only one on this team. I really don't. I see a world where we have a couple of guys with 100 points. Jack Maybe Hughes Timo. Just, yeah, I mean, Timo, Toffoli, Mercer, Brad, Heischer, yeah. Palat. It's loaded. And then with Hughes just being the best guy on the, the ice at all times, uh, the amount of goals that these guys are going to score, he's going to be in the mix for a whole bunch of them, so I'm going to go over as well. Jack Hughes will be a 100-point guy this year. We'll stay with the Hughes family. I asked you guys this on an earlier show. ask you again, true or false, Luke Hughes will be a Norris Trophy candidate within five years. Yeah, so I, I believe that I said, yes, a candidate within five years. Now, I don't really know. You could maybe fill me in here. When they announce candidates, we're talking about, what, usually three to five three players? Guys. Three guys. guys. Okay. Yeah. So is he going to be somewhere in the top three defensemen in the next five years? You know, it's it's maybe a bit of a reach to call that a lock or anything, but I think it's more likely than not. I'm going to say over. True. Yes. True. 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 Bob. I remember this conversation. I'm pretty sure I might have been one of the people who didn't think so. I took the, I took the no on that. Yeah, you didn't think so. I've been doing some reading and hearing what other people think about Luke outside of my scope and our little, you know, optimistic group here. And it's definitely making me see a little bit more in him than I thought, which is great because I already think the guy's freaking awesome. So I'm going to change my tune on that and I'm going to say yes. True for Bob. I'm going to also say true. I just did what this guy showed us in this small little sample size of games that he played. Uh, I think five years in this league. This guy's going to be one of the best defensemen out there. He's going to score a ton of points. Uh, he's going to be huge on the power play in a couple of years. Yeah, I think he can be a candidate. I think you can. I see a world in three or four years where it's the Kale McCars and Luke Hughes of the world that those two guys are kind of really pushing the forefront of the best defensive defenseman in the league, best offensive defenseman in the league. Because there's no nobody especially, cares about uh, the once Burns. Re- yeah, especially once Burns retires. Yes, that's true. Yeah. All right. Over or under? Six points. That's what Jesper Brad had in the playoffs last year. Over or under Jesper Brad six points next season's playoff. We better we better hope it's over. I mean, th- this is the one thing that love Jesper Brad. Uh, I I was so disappointed in his playoffs last year. I think he was disappointing disappointed as well. He's got that contract. We we wanted him under contract all last year. Couldn't make it happen. He's got to have a good playoffs now. I think he knows that. Uh, whether he will or not, oh boy. Uh, I'm going to stick with my optimistic theme just because that's such a low number and I do expect a long playoff run. So I feel like it's a safe bet. But i got to tell you, I'm concerned. 
if he doesn't have a good playoffs this year, we have a guy with a big contract who's not a playoff guy. You you can then say that very clearly that this is not an anomaly if you stretch two years together. I don't see I that. I don't think Fitzgerald saw that. I think he, he you know he doesn't give this contract if he really believes it, but he did give this contract. So I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go stick with optimism, and uh, it's such a low number. I don't think it's that dangerous of a bet. I'll take the over. Okay, Bob. I'll take the over, and I believe it's going to happen in the first round if whoever we play. He's going to get at least six points in the first round. I don't Beautiful. think you can go year to year on these right. things and necessarily, like you said, if it happens again, then maybe we can label as somebody who can't really perform in the playoffs. But I I, I'm, I'm going to go I'm over because go. he fucking has to get more than six points in the playoffs, right? I right. mean, that it's six. you were just signed to an eight year, almost eight, almost eight million dollar a year deal. Um, yeah, we need more than five assists and an empty net goal, so it, it has to be over. Um, question number five: True or false? Seattle Kraken will make the playoffs for a second year in a row. I'm going to go true. I'll be quite honest here. I don't analyze the West as closely as the East, you know, being following mostly Devils. Uh, but I like their team. I like what they've done. And I don't know who's really emerging out of the basement in the West. Uh, maybe this is done more out of ignorance, but I'm going to say true. Uh, you know, that I think they will be able to make the playoffs again. I don't know who else would necessarily bump them out. Bob? Same same sentiment here. I, I don't really have enough knowledge to know. I think we've been talking about this before. Uh, and I don't see any reason why they would get knocked out. Yeah, I'm going to go true, too. I, I don't think that this was a flash in the pan last year, and they made this playoff by, uh, by luck. They are an extremely good hockey team. They're super deep. They get scoring from all four lines. They're very fast. Grubauer is a good goalie. I, I like Seattle a lot. I think they make the playoffs again. You know, the modern expansion draft, they really got it right. It's not like years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what did. Vegas was able to do was be competitive in their first year to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And uh, they never really fell off and became a, a bad team. And then uh, Seattle it, in year two, they knock off the champs in the first yeah. round. That's impressive. Very. True or false? At least one Head coach will be fired during the regular season. You mean it has to be a New Jersey Devil? No, no, no. Throughout the league. Anywhere in the league. A head coach will be fired by an NHL team during the regular season. I I feel like, has it ever gone a year where it didn't happen? Sure. Uh, Really? Where nobody was fired? During the season? Yeah, we've gone years without people being fired. So you're going to say true? I'm going to say true. Yeah, I don't know the statistical uh, rate that that happens at. Uh, clearly, if you're telling me that it 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 has, we've gone years without it. I feel like it's more common than than it perhaps it is. Yeah, maybe it I'll is. Stick with it. All right, we'll see. I, didn't know, I didn't know that we've made it to like the holidays without somebody getting fired. So I'm going to Sometimes say true right. as well. <laughs> All right. Well, this one's I'm going to go true as well. Um, uh, this one might be a little bit more difficult then. At least one general manager will be fired during the regular season. True or false? Uh, seems like that happens less often. On the other yes. hand, on the other hand, uh, what's going on in Toronto? Because that's always a that's, pressure that's cooker, right? Too. And you know that they've had so much change. They changed out their coach and everything else. And uh, you know, I feel like you know that's just, this is it. You you're going to produce right away, or you're getting fired. So this is you know good chance that if Toronto doesn't have 
the spectacular regular season that the city of Toronto is demanding, uh, that maybe all of Canada is demanding, that you know GM head will roll in there, and that's just that's just them. You know, there's so there's other saying, teams in this boat. You're saying true. I'm gonna say true. Okay, Bob. I'm gonna say true, and I'm gonna double down and be crucified for it. Just throwing it out there. One of those, you know, well, crazy things that can happen during the year. I don't agree it's with you. It's gonna guys. happen. And it's gonna happen to Lou Lamarillo. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, let me just say something here. I don't. When I come up with these questions, most of the time it's because I already have an answer in my head, so I throw it your way. Like, so my yeah. whole thing is, I think that Lou Lamarello is going to get fired this year, and that's why go. I put on here. If you guys think a GM, so yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be Lou. I really do, Bobby. You're dead on. Bald man, I, smart man. I guess that's it. You should shave your head, Dan. I, I think it's going to be Lou. I think points. Lou is so behind the fucking times yeah. at this point. And I think the Islanders are just spending money on old, slow dudes. So, yeah, you know that middling think... team we talked about before. They don't know which way they're going. They're trying to plug in with just kind of medium, you know, right. skilled player. It's just, it doesn't but, seem to be going anywhere. I mean, if we roll into the new year and these guys are in the basement with Columbus and with, uh, you know, the Flyers, uh, how's Lou keep his job? I just can't see it. You know, this is a team that kept it all together. They kept it all together for the simple fact that Lou and whoever else is in charge up there believes that they have another run in them. I don't see it. I don't see them even making the playoffs or even being sniffing the playoffs. I really don't. So the, yeah, the only thing I'll say to, to give you pause, maybe a little bit, is that the Islanders, much like the Devils, uh, exist in the media shadow of the Rangers, which gives them a little room to do make moves, like in the you know not in the regular season. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, I, there, I, there might be some it, truth to that, but I don't you know think they might. I don't think that's enough to say finish out and then because yeah. you're you're saying it's going to be during the season, not before or after. You know, yeah. it is the island. It's not Toronto. It's not New York. That's uh, true. Rangers. It's it's ballsy to fire your general it's, manager it's a during this. A little bit. Point. Yes. I think that make if, a good if reason. If the team why. does what we've kind of been thinking they're going to do, if there is that continued steep drop off during the season, you know, right. expectations are not being met. I don't know what their expectations are realistically. It has to be really just a, one or just it has maybe to be make just the make the playoffs. Right. So if they're not even heading towards that direction. Yeah, I mean, you fire a head coach to save a team because you can. When you hire a general manager, a new general manager, because you want to fire the old one, general managers can't make an immediate impact. They need no. an offseason, a draft, and actually they need a few years to see their Absolutely. imprint on the team. But it's, so, also, you know, it's, it's, it's also a message to the team. You know, you're right. Like, there's yeah, also that. So, and the fans. Kind of legendary. Yeah, you know, so I, I mean, I, I, we could be completely wrong, but I, I'll say true that a general manager and a head coach will be fired throughout the regular season. True or false? Question number eight. Nico Heischer will play in all 82 games this year. Do you know what he played in last year? Uh, like 78 coming to my head. I'm just kind of curious here. It might be right. What do you got, Dan? Um, I mean, I'm going to say no. Uh, he, you know, he's going to play a lot of games. He's going to be damn close to it. So I'll Nico pick the under. Heischer played in 81 games last year. So it's definitely so he, doable. In, in 17-18, his rookie year, he played in all 82. And then he played 18-19, 69, 19-20, 
58, 20, 21, 21, 21, 22, 70, 22, 23, 81. Does Nico Heischer stay healthy and play all 82 games this year? I don't think so. I think he might even be sat, which is unfair uh, for your question. Does he stay healthy? Uh, he might he might even be sat like towards the end of a season. Sometimes that we set some of our players. Um, but well, it you know, doesn't like, say it's stay such healthy. A, it just says will he play in all eighty two games? Yeah, that's such a hard target, man. You're, you got to hit the bullseye on that. So I'm gonna just play the odds here because I feel like the odds favor me saying no. Uh, I would not be surprised if he does. You know, he definitely say- is capable of it. But I'm gonna say no. False. Okay. False. False. Bob. I think he's got the character of a guy that wants to be out there for all 82, but these things ebb and flow. And as far as Iron Man streaks, unless you're truly one of those Iron Men, I don't really care. Um, no, false. He'll, he'll miss it by a couple. Well, he's played in all 82 games one year, and that was his rookie year, so I'm going to go and stay, stick with that. That's false. He will not play all 82 games. True or false? Connor Bedard will win Rookie of the Year. Well, he's been the most anticipated, you know, uh, rookie coming in in quite some time. Um, these things are so weird, though. You never know until it happens. I don't care how great the success was in other leagues, in uh, international play, whatever. You just don't know. So um, that being said, he's going to have a lot of attention. He's going to be on a team where he can make a difference. Does he is he on a team that's immediately going to be loaded for scoring? No. Nah, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, Chicago looks like um, they're not going to necessarily be in that position. Oh boy, um, I'm trying to think of other rookies though that are going to get that kind of attention and also produce. I can think uh, of two: Adam Fantilli yeah. in Columbus right. and Luke Hughes. Yeah, I mean, wow. So Luke Hughes, you know, he's going to have a great year. I really do project that. Uh, is he going to outshine Bedard? I mean, I, all you heard all year was Bedard, Bedard, yeah. Bedard. Um, boy, um, he's going to be in a position to. On the other hand, he's a defenseman. You know, if he was a center coming up uh, with that skill, I think he could definitely outshine Bedard. I'm going to call Bedard the – I'm going back and forth on this. So I'm going to call him the rookie of the year. All right true how about you bob this is maybe the hardest question yet to be honest <laughs> with you because i agree the optimist in me really does see an opportunity for luke hughes to do this mostly because i'm just such a big cheerleader of what he can bring but like dan said i mean all i've ever heard is for dard the way i heard crosby the way i heard yeah. david i don't know him that well i've never looked at his stats i know he broke this guy's record and that guy's record and i Typically, these guys, it doesn't They say he's pretty good at hockey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to know what he's doing. <laughs> and, but they tend to come into the league ready, and they yeah. kind of take off from there. Where Luke Hughes, as great as he can be, when I look at some of the other elements of our team and a skill set he brings, like being able to score, we do have a defenseman that scored nearly 30 goals last year. And how many, How much is there to go around? So I really want to say that, that Luke Hughes can do this. I don't want to sound like a homer. And I feel like if I don't say Bernard, then I sound like an idiot. But uh, take a chance. Go with I'm going to take a chance and say that, yeah, he, he's not surrounded by anything in Chicago. 
And I'm going to say he will not win it. Okay. Um, I feel your agony in that, Bob. I, I felt think, the same agony. Yeah. I, I think it's if a there's, tough question. I think if he's at all even close with anyone else as far as production and what he does, it, it, it's no-brainer. Uh, Connor Bedard's going to get it. They're going to hand it to him. So it, it, somebody's going to have to kind of really step up and prove it a lot more than him. Now, I think that Adam Fantilli can do it. I actually think Adam Fantilli is maybe a little bit more NHL-ready than Connor Bedard is right now. And then, of course, everything you said about Luke. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really hard to wrestle it away from him because I think the NHL already has his name uh, etched into that trophy, that Calder trophy, and they're just waiting to the award sh- uh, in, in May to hand it to him. Uh, so I'm going to say that he is going to win Rookie of the Year, but I I don't feel comfortable about it. I, I would not be shocked at all if one of those other two guys or somebody maybe comes out of nowhere and just sure. blows everybody away. All right. Over, under. Eight. That's the number of power play goals Dougie Hamilton had last year. Over, under, eight power play goals this year for Dougie Hamilton. All right, I'm going to go over because the power play is one area where the Devils need to improve. I think they have a lot of room to grow. They've been excellent this year, last year in scoring in general. But the power play had some, you know, nice patches there, but it was not consistently great, especially when we needed it. And I, I anticipate that this is an, an area of their game that's going to mature, and they're going to be a great power play team. Uh, if they're going to be good this year and go deep in the playoffs, that's going to be a necessity. I anticipate that, and I think that's going to put Hamilton in position to get score even a few more goals on the okay. power play. So I'll take the over. I was immediately going to go under based on the philosophy of, again, how many goals can we actually get in a year? And there's another guy coming up that can quarterback power play. I don't know if it's unit two. I don't know if they're going to share time. It's a good point. Dan, Dan makes some really great points there. We didn't have a great power play. Middle of the road, right? Yeah. At best. And he's still got eight out of it. And I think he's got another year or two ascending before maybe we start to see a little decline. So, yeah, I'll take the over. Okay. I also will go with the over because I just, you know, Dougie has gotten better every year. He's been with us. I expect the same this year. And, Dan, you uh, actually, for the next question, I think I already know what your answer is with how you answered the Dougie Hamilton one. True or false? The Devils' power play will be ranked in the top ten this year. Yeah, I you know of course it requires some optimism, but I think it's well-founded optimism. This team is looking more mature, more stacked, uh, and ready for that power play to develop. It's going to be a really a sore spot if it doesn't. So yeah. I think they do end up with a top ten. You're talking about the top third. You're talking about a power play that's in you know. The sixty-six percent, uh, you know, top sixty-six percent of the NHL. I think that's attainable, very attainable. So I'm going to take the uh, true on that. True. Okay, Bob. I'm going to go true on that as well because again, they were, they were middle of the road last year with what looked like an awful power play at times, and to improve a few, jump over a few teams seems very reasonable given the talent on this team and some of the guys being here all year and just a new philosophy. So yeah, top ten for me. What? With this roster, it was it's still mind-boggling that we weren't in the top ten last year. Um, with this, but that seems to like the last two years, like our power play just couldn't get out of its own way sometimes, and sometimes it just looked really, really bad. For which is weird when you're one of the best five-on-five teams 
in the it's league. It's like they had a little like pressure during the power yeah, play. Then you notice that, that was like it. even in the playoffs, the worst thing you could do for the Devils is give them an early power play because yeah. they're not going to score on it and they're going to give the other team some life. No, I, yeah, That's really got to stop. Like they should have a decline option, like in football, yeah. like decline the penalty. Yeah. I don't want it because it was something that would screw up their rhythm. And I, I do think that Travis Green's going to help them a lot in the power play. Um, just because I feel like we're kind of all taking the same ones, I'm going to say false, that they are not going to get their power play into the top 10 this year. And that would be unfortunate. The same question, but penalty kill. Okay. Well, I think the penalty kill is going to be good this year. I uh, Is it going to be ranked higher than last year? Can Anybody remember the ranking off the top of their head? I don't. I think it was fairly middle of the road as well. I think we were close to 10 yeah. for a while during the year. But the I end mean, of the I'm year. anticipating a good year. So I honestly think that the power play will grow more than the penalty kill has. Uh, and I think the penalty kill will improve, but not as drastically as the, as the power play. Um, I think it might take a little while to get there. I think that hopefully the second half of the season is going to, you know, even out what might be some um, early on growing pains because I look at our defense, we might insert some new young guys there. Um, and, you know, that might hurt a little bit on the penalty kill at first, but these are very skilled players. The team's going to do really well. I think they really want to focus on being a playoff team this year, uh, even more so than last year. Last year was, you know, believe, make the playoffs, raise hell. You know, this year it's like, Hone that knife. Make make yourself an instrument of destruction against the other. And, and there's nothing better to do that than a great penalty kill. So I, I I'll take the over. I'm gonna, I'm saying the Devils true. penalty kill will improve. Yeah. It's true. Okay. Top I, I I think that again, if you're going to be a Stanley Cup champion, you obviously need to be great five on five. You need to be a top ten power play and a top ten penalty kill. And in my personal opinion, if I had to pick whether they were a top ten power play or penalty kill, I prefer them to be better on the penalty kill than they were in efficiency on the power play. But that being said, again, just taking the next steps, yeah, I think they yeah. will be a top 10 penalty I think they will be a top 10 penalty kill, too. They were very good at penalty kill last year, um, you know, and it, it's it's kind of still a staple of our, like, the old devil teams. Like, we can still shut you down on a power play, and we're very good at it. I still am like scratching my head that I took false. I made I just said false on the power play because like, for all intents and purposes, they should have the second best power play in the NHL. Like right. maybe I mean, maybe behind Edmonton, you know. Look at I the mean, skill they, on that team with all those weapons. They should be scoring every other friggin' power play they have. But you know, we'll see how that goes. All right, question number thirteen: Over or under? It's forty points. Luke Hughes. Over or under 40 points this year? I just threw an arbitrary number at him, um, thinking it was actually kind of high for a rookie defenseman, so we'll see where you guys are at. 40 it points. Is, it is pretty high. Um, anybody have a point total of, let's say, Marino or even Hamilton? One last season? Yeah, Hamilton I'm just like, like to try to get... Something. Yeah, so he definitely outshined there. Marino, he might have you know, done more than 40. I, I think it's attainable for Hughes to, to do, you know, Hamilton-like numbers. Uh, I think it's very attainable. I mean, you mentioned before, like, the uh, sample size we've had of him. So Dougie we're Hamilton talking... had, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Hamilton no, had 70, 74 points last year, which is huge. Fantastic. 22 goals, 52 assists, 
74 points. Yeah. You got Marino and you there? you wanted Andy? to know about Marino? Yeah, just because I consider him so solid, and, and that's something that I feel... Sure. Four goals, 14 assists, 18 points. Okay, so that's a big difference, right? I mean, solid, sure. yes. Scoring, point scoring, so no. in the middle of that. Is basically yeah, what that's a right? great question. Can I, he I, score I, twice the rate of Marino? Uh, and, you know, boy. I think this is a tough one, but, you know, I'm going to stick with that optimism. Uh, I, I do see such a great upside. I'm just hesitant because the sample size was so small. And uh, he is, for all intents and purposes, a, a rookie next year. So hard to predict what a rookie's going to do. We struggle with the Bedard question for that same reason. I'm struggling here, but I'm going to say, yes, he will. Okay, over 40 points for Luke. How about you, Bob? It's funny because if you ask these questions in a different order, I would have had a different answer. I probably would have came in under. But I can't sit here and be the guy who said Bedard's not going to win Rookie of the Year. You're the only schmuck of the three of us that thinks that because I kind of had Luke Hughes in the background and say he's not going to hit 40. So, over. Unless you like Fantelli. <laughs> That's true. I like well, Fantelli. I do. I, do. Um, I, I tell you, uh, 40 points is high. I got. I'm gonna go over. I mean, he's shown us that everything that he can do this, right? I mean, he, he seems to kind of pick up the game quicker than any defenseman I've ever seen. Um, I'm gonna say over because I think he's gonna be quarterback in that second power play. I think he's gonna be able to get some points. So I'm gonna say over 40 points. All right, number 14, true or false? Carolina, and this is in no particular order, New Jersey and New York will finish 1-2-3 in the Metro, same as last year. True or false? Um, who else we got in the Metro to take New York's place? I feel like it's a lock for the Devils and Carolina to be 1-2. and two. That's like a lock in my mind. I, you know, maybe it's yeah, a little who's, Ranger who's that, hate. Who's but that who, team that can maybe knock the Rangers down a peg? Yeah, um... Is Pittsburgh dead? I don't know. I think Washington's dead. Such a question dead. mark. Washington looks dead. Definitely. I think that the Flyers are going to be a shit show by design. Definitely. I think Columbus has a lot of really good things in place, but whether or not they can really make a push this year, I don't know. Pittsburgh, maybe? Uh, Pittsburgh and Columbus, you know, if one was worse than the other, you might say it makes it a little easier to knock off the Rangers, doesn't it? Yeah. But, you know, they're kind of splitting some points there. On the other hand, like, Rangers are ready for a fall. I mean, it's but it's so hard to bet against them as far as a regular season when they got Shesterk in there. I know. Oh, boy. I think it's a safe bet as much as I would love to cast them out of third place uh, for Columbus uh, or even Pittsburgh. Uh, I would love to do it, but I think it's a safe bet to say that, nah, they... They got a good chance to hold on to that number three with the team they got. And uh, so I'm going to say that's a true statement. But uh, what a difference between one, two, and three, I'm going to say. Yeah, I agree. So I got to go back to our own, you know, um, podcast about the Metropolitan Division. Mm-hmm. Where at, the point, at that time, we took a much deeper dive and had a lot of reasons for the decisions we were making. I don't recall all that right now, but I do recall the order that I put them in, so... I will say true. It'll it'll say those three. Yeah, it's as much as I don't like it either, guys. I mean, I, I the idea of the Rangers not making the playoffs gets me very excited. But oh, um, I love it. 
I just don't know who who else in that division. Like, unless there is a team that does. I mean, the Atlantic. I would say if we were all in the Atlantic, there'd be some trouble there because I do yeah. think the the Buffaloes and the um, the Ottawa's are going to make a run. Uh, but I just don't know if anybody in the Metro can do it other than the three of them. I just I think you're going to see five from the Atlantic and the three. Maybe that's it from the Metro this year. So um, sadly, I think. It is going to end up one, two, three, and it's probably going to end up the same order that went last year. And we're probably going to be playing the Rangers again in the first round. So you know that's the only, another reason why I want things to change up. I don't like I, just stale playoff matches after a few years. You know teams are set now. Like if you're a playoff team, you know you're kind of as long as you could stay healthy, you'll vie for that second or third seed. And I mean Toronto and Tampa played twice already. You know, two years in a row in the playoffs, or you know, good chance they're going to meet this year. Well, maybe not. I think Toronto will probably win that Atlantic. All right, last question. Over or under? It's seventy points, and it's Connor Bedard. Over or under seventy points, Connor Bedard. I would love to know the uh, point, you know, rookie point total for McDavid. Uh, anybody got that? Would, would it be uh, interesting to you guys for me to look it up real quick? Because I know that Crosby I, was rookie yeah, year, Crosby? like 102. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, what was uh, McDavid? What was Gomez? I'll find out. Uh, Gomez's rookie year? Hang on. Not that he's a comparable, but I want to see the one. What was range. his rookie year, McDavid? 2000. Oh, McDavid? I'm looking um, it up. Ah, uh, just 48. Oh, you know points? what? No, I'm sorry. It, it, because he played in only 37 games. That's a pretty good rate. That is. No, I'm sorry. He missed 37 games, but still a pretty good rate. 100 points. 48 points in 45 games. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, at that rate, if Bedard stays healthy, 70 seems attainable for sure. If uh, McDavid can score 48 and in, in uh, 45 games, yeah, that's like saying. If this guy's McDavid, right? And we just right. don't know that. He's been hyped like he's McDavid or Crosby. Can he make those numbers? Well, you came up with 70, Chris. And, and 70 is yeah. uh, is even lower than either of them scored that rate. So yeah. basically, if you if you believe he's even close to their caliber, if you believe he could stay healthy, then you got to say yes. And I'm going to say, yeah, it's over. That makes sense. Okay, this is the one time I can't, I can't continue down the... Not going for Bedard path. Um, yeah, over. Yeah, I, I think, especially like the way you said it there, Dan, like uh, McDavid plays the whole year. He's uh, over a point a game. Crosby yeah. with 102 points on a rookie team, a team on his rookie year that didn't make the playoffs, and he walked away with 102 points. I think 70 is obtainable for Connor Bedard. And I think a lot will be said if he doesn't reach 70. Okay. Um, uh, all for the points that you guys had just made. So that's our first half of True False Over Unders, and we can right. finish them a little bit before the uh, season starts. But some just fun to do during the off season while we all get ready for you know football on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I tell you, I I never like I don't mind the Jets, but I cannot stand them right now. Like it is everything is the fucking Jets, and it's not just because we live in Jersey. This is the national media. It is if they can just run like an inside the NFL show up Aaron Rodgers' ass 
they fucking would. Because, oh my God, I, I forgot how much I fucking hate Aaron Rodgers. And now because of that, just by default, I hate the Jets. And I don't want to hate the Jets. Well, here's the good news. You know, like, it's, it's part of being the New York market. Uh, anything looks the least bit positive, they overhype it to the point of nausea. Yeah, and then here's if if you're nauseated, you're gonna get a little bit of a good feeling when the inevitable fall happens because it right. is the Jets. They will <laughs> fall apart somehow, some way, and then what a shit show it's gonna be uh, when that happens. Uh, no, I, for any Jet fans out there, I'm definitely uh, hoping that you're you know you have a great season there. Cause they got yeah. something going. I I don't hate to just you know hate on everything New York. If no. I had to like a New York football team, it would probably be the Jets. Definitely. Uh, and I don't agree with you that things are going to fall apart. I do think the Jets are going to be really, really scary good this year. Um, right. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I just, uh, you know, being a Viking fan my whole life, I've, I hate Aaron Rodgers. That's just kind of how it goes, right? So sure. it's really yeah. hard to not hate him now. Even though I loved everything he said in his last interview about the whole Sean Payton thing, which we talked a little bit about on the last show, and he comes out and pulls his best Will Smith and says, you know, Sean Payton needs to keep my coach's names out of his mouth, that kind of thing. It would have just been better if he went up and slapped him. But, um, you know, I like that. I like the fight in him. I like that he sticks up for his coaches and everything. But you were a Packer for 20 years, man. I can't. It's just hard to get behind you. Anyway. I digress. Is there anything else hockey-related that you gentlemen would like to discuss? No, I mean, I think we covered a lot. I, I did enjoy doing that, uh, that those questions, the list. I'm looking forward yeah, to the fun. next 15. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, guys, you know, check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. You know the routine. Um, also, we have the YouTube channel up and running. So hop on that. You can check the shows out there. Give us five stars, subscribe, like, tell a friend, uh, whatever you can do to help us promote the podcast. It goes a long way to getting our name out there, so we really appreciate it. And uh, other than drop us a line, unclepuckers at gmail.com. Help us get rolling into our fan feedback segment of the show, which we hope to get going once the season starts. Other than that, for Dan, Chris, or Dan, Bobby, I'm Chris. He's not. We're the Uncle Puckers. <laughs> we'll see you when we see you. Look at that. Look at that. I'm gonna miss Pee Wee. I know. Too soon. Now Pee Wee. It's over, Johnny. It's over, Pee Wee. -wee. Wee -wee. All right, (laughs) Pee Wee.